0: This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. Queen Elizabeth II has reigned over the United Kingdom for over 70 years, an unparalleled record, and one that's being celebrated across the kingdom. On this week's Preserve Cast, we're looking at how our friends at Kiplin Hall are celebrating this monumental moment with Imogene Hayden, an intern who took a new look at the Jubilee and how it connects to a place like Kiplin. This is Nick Redding, you're listening to Cast. We're excited today to be joined by Imogen Hayden, who is a student at the University of York uh, studying art history and curating. Um, But for our purposes, we're very excited because she's currently working with the folks, our good friends at Kiplin Hall. I think this is our third Kiplin episode. And for those of you who... Uh, aren't familiar, you can go back in our show notes and look at the other Kipling stories we've had. This might even be uh, Kipling 4. Um, and Kipling, of course, is the ancestral home of the Calvert family, um, which was one of the European, the English families that came to settle Maryland, which is where PreserveCast is based out of, powered by Preservation Maryland. Um, But it's a perfect time for us to talk to Imogen because we are going to be talking about the Jubilee Project. And today is literally the Jubilee as we're recording this. This will be released in a little while, but um, it is the Jubilee um, and very exciting. So but before we jump into all that, it's always fun to kind of get to know people, um, particularly people who grew up in different parts of the world. So, where did you grow up, and what led you to kind of going down this road and this 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 study? And um, you know, what, what what's your what's your what's your spark moment? How did this all come together? Um,
1: okay, so I grew up in the Yorkshire Dales in northern England, um, which is a lovely place to grow up, filled with wildlife and nature but also some really lovely historic properties um so when i was younger i visited a lot of museums and historic houses um i remember going with my grandparents to look around Bowes museum which is in Barnard castle in northern england as well and just being fascinated by all the different objects and paintings and just being really enthralled there was one painting in particular which had a dog in which eyes moved it seemed to move when you walked across the room, which I remember really excited me as a child. Um, And I think that interest in looking at how people lived and the connections with people now and how that can spark an interest and how it can impact how people feel, I think the living history really was what really inspired me to uh, work in or want to work in museums and curation and things like that.
0: And have you, so tell us where you are in your academic journey right now. So you're at the University of York and for people listening in the U.S., kind of give us a, a sense of where that is in, in England um, and kind of paint the picture of where you are in your academic studies right now, too.
1: Okay. So um, York is about, I think, two and a half hours on the train from London. And it's this gorgeous historic city. Um, it's got a lovely York Minster, which is an incredible place to visit if you ever come. Um, it's really amazing. And if you catch it at Evensong, it's a gorgeous atmosphere. Um, it's also got the historic city wall, so it's a really lovely place to visit. And it's also quite prominent because it was a big Viking settlement as well. Um, so I'm studying there and I'm in my second year at the moment out of three. I'm just coming to the end, in fact, of the second year which is quite exciting. Um, and yeah. That
0: <laughs> and so um, have you, uh, beyond Kiplin, have you had a chance to work at other historic sites or volunteer at places? And, you know, we're going to, talk about sort of what maybe your dream job is and if people are listening in the states and, and want to hire her i'm sure she's she's open to uh some international travel i don't know we haven't asked her but but you know who knows um so what where, where do you hope what what have you kind of done so far beyond Kiplin? or is Kiplin the first kind of place you've um been able to spread your wings a bit and um what are you really hoping to do once you graduate um so Kiplin
1: was one of my first places in fact I did some work over the summer, last summer at Kiplin, and I'd done a couple of work experience weeks um, when I was at uh, school doing jobs and opening the house and working with the volunteers, the lovely team of volunteers there, and with the staff as well. And I'd also done some work with um, the Bose Museum in Barnard Castle um, with the education team there, and I worked a lot with school visits, and that was also really fun. Um, So, yeah, definitely my dream job <laughs> would be working in a historic house and really engaging with a large range of people and um, I feel like that's a very special thing if you can get someone really inspired by an object or by a history or a previous family and have that some special connection to a place I feel like that's a lovely thing to install in whoever anyone who visits
0: well, for for people listening, we'll make sure her contact information is in the show notes, so you can you can offer her a, a plum job uh, if you, if you have one, if you're interested. So um, let, let's take a step back for people who haven't listened to the previous episodes, and we'll put links in the show notes to all those episodes about Kipling, and we have ones that go into in depth about the history of Kipling and and all that sort of thing. But um, for people who aren't familiar and haven't listened to those or don't have the opportunity to listen to those, paint the picture. Uh, as you would describe it, of what is Kiplin Hall? Where is it? um, What kind of a place is it? uh, Take people on a little uh, mental journey here for us.
1: (laughs) Okay, so Kiplin Hall is a grade one listed Jacobean house uh, between Northallerton and Richmond. And they're both two um, old towns, which were market towns and still are. And uh, Kiplin Hall was built by George Calvert, uh, between 1622 and 1625, and George Calvert was one of the four main families who owned Kiplin. So that's the Calverts, the Crows, the Carpenters and the Talbots, and the Talbots were the last to live there until it was given to the charitable ter- Trust, and then as it is now. Um, so that's about 400 years of history which is told throughout the objects in the house, and as you go through there's a real sense that you're following the progression of the families of how they added on bits to the house. And that's a really lovely journey to go through. Um, and so it's probably situated around, I think, four and a half hours from London. Um, and obviously, George Calvert, as you said earlier, um, he was granted some land in Maryland. And that's the connection to Maryland, which there's a room, a display room in the top of the um, hall all about that connection.
0: Yeah, and we're we're working on trying to figure out a way to do some cultural exchange. In fact, we have a, a conversation with our friends at Kiplin next week about how we can kind of try and make this happen because there's there's so much, uh, such a great story between the two places, and um, a lot to explore there. Um, so let's um, let's talk a little bit about um, what you're working on in particular. It's very timely. Uh, the Jubilee Project. So um, some Americans, you know, we've gone through our Downton Abbey phase and everything like that. So some Americans are just like enamored with the British and the monarchy and everything like that and, and are going to be listening and are like, of course I know what the Jubilee is. <laughs> but not everyone is. Um, we're not all uh, monarchists here uh, in, in, in uh, the United States. So talk to us a little bit, you know, for people who aren't super familiar with this before we even talk about the project that you did so let's talk about the queen's jubilee so like the very basics how long has this queen been queen and what is a jubilee and how big of a deal is it in england right now
1: um so i'll probably start with the last one first okay so at the moment it's a very big deal, I would say. We've had a lot of celebrations both in London, that seems to be the main hub, but all across the country, yesterday there were beacons lit, and it's a trail of beacons that um, are set on fire that you can see, you should be able to see from each beacon, it's like a beacon trail. Um, so that was it yesterday, and today is the actual day that celebrates her being coronated, um, which was on the 2nd of June. Um, and she became the first British monarch to have 70 years of reign and service, which is the Platinum Jubilee. Um, and before uh, Queen Elizabeth II uh, was the longest reigning monarch, it was Queen Victoria. Um, so that's a, a basic <laughs> quick overview.
0: Yeah. And so it's when you say it's a big deal, is this like you know it's it's funny cuz here in the US it's hard to get everybody to agree on something um do you uh, and, and not not only hard it's basically impossible um <laughs> but uh is there is there pretty like are there a, are there a lot of people like kind of cynical about this or is it pretty like universally everybody kind of loves the queen and is excited about this
1: i think everyone is def well most people you know um that we they do really love the queen cuz she's such an icon i think that that's she's the woman of every hour everyone has a great deal of respect for her so i think that that is what really ties people together even if they don't support elements or different people that is one thing that ties they can really see how impressive and incredible her reign has been because she really has tied together and she's lived through such so many events that she is the constant in quite a few people's lives because that's what has always been around for, well, leading for 70 years.
0: 70 years. I mean, that is a, that's an an incredible, um, an incredible reign. Um, and, uh, so we just we just recorded another episode um, today that'll be released. And we were talking with folks who now I have one degree of separation from Prince Charles because they had they had a, a run in with him and, and worked with him on a pretty cool project um, that people can listen about. Um, but I'm I'm curious now that we're talking about the Queen and we're going to talk about your Jubilee project. Have you ever been in the presence of the Queen?
1: Um, we were on a holiday once, actually, and she drove past us, which was quite that's in, like her,
0: in her land rover
1: yeah <laughs>
0: and where was yeah. this was this in was this in like the the lake district or where where were you
1: um so we were actually in scotland um and okay. yeah she drove past us as well as a lot of other land rovers but yeah <laughs> so that's a very, the closest i got
0: <laughs> so that that's pretty cool i like that yeah. so um so let's talk about um Let's talk about this Jubilee project. So you've been working on this as a student. How long have you been working on it? What is it all about? How is it kind of coming together? What 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 are? How do you tell this story and how do you do it at a place like Kiplin?
1: Um, so I've been working on the project since December two thousand and twenty-one, um, and it came about because I got the opportunity to intern at Kiplin Hall as part of my course. Um, so I was really lucky to be. Um, delegated um, some freedom towards the Jubilee project and the trail is available over the Jubilee bank holiday Um, and it started on May the 27th and it's going to go until June the 5th and it's a trail which interacts between the collections at Kipling and the royal connections that the families had and there'll be cupcakes felt cupcakes placed throughout the house um, which A team of volunteers and staff helped make and over a few weeks, we suddenly accumulated a lot more cupcakes. We started with about eight and then suddenly we had about, I think, 18. It was quite amazing. And they're all individual and they all match to the questions. Um, So families um, can move throughout the house, finding these cupcakes and finding the engagement prompts, um, which link to the objects that they're placed next to. And the trail mainly focuses on the time period between um, 1837 and 1952. Um, so it's really following that journey through the house, through the objects and through the cupcakes.
0: <laughs> so how many royal connections? And I think it's interesting because, right, you're trying to take this big story uh, of the Queen's Jubilee and 70 years and this whole big thing and kind of boil it down. And I think that there's a lot of parallels for people listening all across the world, whether or not they're celebrating, the, you know, a Jubilee of a queen um, trying to take a big story. That's on the national level and distill it down to how it impacts one, not a small house, but one beautiful historic home. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's, you know, whether or not you're working on something with the queen, there's some parallels here. So how did you kind of like how did you come up with the idea? I guess first Uh, the the cupcake thing is fascinating. Um, And then how did. Like how many Royal Connections are there? Is there is there quite a bit?
1: Um, so for the Royal Connections, there's quite a few objects that I think have been accumulated over the years through the different owners of Kipling. Um, so one of the objects is a horsehair box. And when I first read this record, I was like, oh, a horsehair box. And I was thinking like of a clump of horsehair put into a box. Um, and when I opened the box, when I found it in the store, it was a single about, an inch long piece of horse hair with a piece of brown tape, making sure that it didn't blow away inside this little box, which was very sweet. And underneath it had a label written by um, Bridget Talbot, the last owner of Kipling, saying that it was collected from one of Queen Elizabeth's grey horses from her coronation. And that was really quite magical to see and experience and how different it was in my head compared to reality. Um, and then another couple of objects that we found were from 1902 and 1911. And there were quite a few bits from these two years. And 1902 was a coronation of Edward the Seventh, And 1911 was um, King George V. And these two had armbands, which were um, heavily embroidered and it had the uh, crown on and then had the date. But they also came with a pair of coronation batons which was a new object that I had never heard of before, um, and we both, myself and the staff, did some research into what these were. And they were given to um, like patrons or people who helped with can uh, have a have a role in the processional order, and they were given these important batons to hold um, to give, I guess, an area of importance <laughs> over the other people to show that they had a special significance, uh, like status in this procession. Um, And for the cakes, um, because cakes are quite a symbol of celebration, there's usually some sort of cake recipe or something published to do with the coronation or a jubilee. Um, So, for example, the Victoria sponge cake was named after Queen Victoria, um, who Apparently, regularly ate a slice of sponge cake with her afternoon tea. And that was her thing.
0: And I have to say, I just just for point point of order and some some uh, some some uh, you know um, uh, extra points for me. I have made a Queen Victoria sponge. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes, because I am a I am a diehard uh, Great British Bake Off fan, and yeah. I mean I was like I got to do it, and and it is delicious. So I will yeah. I will encourage people pick it up, make it, enjoy it, love it.
1: Yeah, it's very like stereotypical. If you think of a British afternoon tea, there'll always be a slice of Victoria sponge somewhere in the spread. <laughs> so it's definitely something worth to Delicious. bake or have a try.
0: <laughs> Delicious.
1: Um and other cakes that were usually used in coronations or weddings or royal events were fruit cakes, um, and these were linked to not only religious feast days such as Easter and Christmas, but also they were quite symbolic with wealth and prosperity because lots of the ingredients that were used in the fruit cakes came from the British Empire at the time. So that was another symbol of wealth and status, really. So the cupcakes have been intertwined with. British celebrations, it seems, for quite a while, which is why they were used as the trail markers.
0: Well, there's nothing wrong with cake. Um, <laughs> so let's take a quick break, come back, talk about where this is all headed and what you're doing next and um, all that good stuff. And we'll do that right here in Preserve Guest. Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work. And there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. tap an intensive 20-week apprenticeship that provides young adults a chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAB and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to Preserve Cast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Imogen Hayden, a student at the University of York studying art history and curating. And she is currently working with our good friends at Kiplin Hall um, and exploring the intersection of royal history and um, this beautiful historic home. You know, so you know, you've talked about um, Edward VII and George V and. Uh, we mentioned the Queen Victoria sponge, and we've also talked about, uh, Elizabeth, um, the second, but I'm curious, um, you know, given our connection here in Maryland, uh, and you know, who, who gave the Royal charter to the Calverts and everything like that. I know you're kind of focused on the 1830 to the other period to the um, 1950s, but, um, did you go back at all? Did you find anything sort of in connection with the Calverts and um, that that royal history?
1: Um, off the top of my head, I'm not quite sure, actually. Um, there were definitely some objects that had looser connections to um, royalty. For example, we had a military drum, which had been there for quite a long time, uh, but I can't remember the date off the top of my head. But it seems to be that 1902... 1911 were the years to collect memorabilia for royalty, so I'm not sure off the top of my head we had that many in the trail.
0: Right, and that's I guess the challenge too is you're going way back to the 1600s, and there's probably not as many objects in the collection going that far back. Is that is that a fair Um, assessment?
1: There's definitely some objects, but whether or not the they kept or were invited to royal celebrations at that time, I think that's probably the more. debatable point on whether or not they would have kept or treasured them as much. Right. And seen them as with as much importance.
0: Yeah. And no connections to America's favorite king, King George the Third. The one I'm aware of. The one the (laughs) one that the one that, that made us uh we finally had to break up this relationship. Um so um We've talked about those royal connections and and stuff like that, Um, and what a fascinating project. And we'll have links in the show notes to Kipling so people can kind of learn more about how this all came together Um, and your information in case they're curious about how this worked or they want to engage you with their historic site. Um, But what's next for you? So you're working on your degree and then... Where are you headed? Are you going to be continuing to work with Kiplin? Are you looking at other historic sites? Um, where where do you where where are you what's next?
1: Um, so I'm hoping that while I continue my degree, I'm going to continue volunteering at Kiplin um, and seeing if I can help out with any other curatorial projects. Um mainly because not only is the house incredible and the objects and the collections amazing, but the staff and volunteer team there are really lovely. And that's one of such a lovely attraction to working in a place because if everyone's lovely and everyone's supportive and the environment's lovely and as a bonus you get a lovely historic house to work at it's really it's just such a lovely feeling
0: <laughs> and how far away from your university is Kiplin?
1: um i think it's about an hour on the train so not too, bad. The train. not too
0: bad <laughs> so pretty close um yeah. so before we go um you know, it's uh, fascinating and a perfect time to have this conversation. I guess I should ask, before we ask you your favorite historic site, um, how are you celebrating the Jubilee? People are probably curious. What, what is a, uh, an average uh, student at the University of York doing to celebrate?
1: <laughs> um, I think we're going to be probably baking a cake. I think we're going to go for the Victoria sponge cake
0: really so that's how ha- yeah. is that happening tonight i mean today's the jubilee right it like,
1: is yeah i think we might be we might be icing a cake that might be the way forwards
0: and are, you in a, a are you in a are you in a dorm cake. or is this a is this a dorm cake
1: um so it would be a house cake
0: <laughs> okay
1: it's a victoria sponge house cake <laughs>
0: okay um so that though that, well, that that's that's exciting and, and interesting to see and does the celebration go on all weekend is there are do people having parties and things like that is that part of it as well
1: um, so on the radio it's been people have been planning all events for all four days so we've had thursday which was also a bank holiday today which is the jubilee celebration bank holiday and then the weekend so it sounds like people have Booked something or finding to book something for each of the days (laughs) so yeah
0: that's that's fantastic um and um now the most difficult question we've thrown you all the softballs so far but uh what is beyond kipling what is your favorite historic place or site is there a place that holds your heart
1: um so besides kipling which is a lovely place to visit um i would probably say beamish actually um, which is the living history, the living history of the North. Yeah. Um, and it's basically a huge area, which has all sorts of different time periods that you can interact with. Um, so it has a World War II part, a 1950s part, which is recently opened, I think, which I haven't actually been able to go to because of COVID. Um, so it's on my list. <laughs> a Victorian street, um, a farm, a manor house, and also a steam railway. Um, and it's such a lovely, quite fun, interactive place to visit. Um, and I went there as a child and I remember meeting a little pit pony there called Pip.
0: And Pip that the Pony.
1: Pip the Pit Pony. <laughs> it's quite a tongue twister. Um, so that really stuck with me. So I can just remember this very small horse that used to go into the pits called Pip. Um, and yeah, that, that I think that memory is definitely quite special to me. <laughs>
0: Well, if you have a picture of Pip the Pit Pony, we'll, we will add it to this episode. You'll have to let us know. And where is, you said it's Beamish?
1: Yes. Yeah. Beamish.
0: And where about is that located in the UK?
1: Um, so it's by, it's definitely in the north of England. It's by a major road. I can't tell you which major road it's by. I would well, say nobody probably...
0: listening knows any of the roads, so you could just give us sort of a general area.
1: Okay, <laughs> so it's north of England. I would say south of Newcastle. Okay, around that.
0: <laughs> well, we will put a we'll put a, put a, a list uh, a note in there for this episode, and then also it's a uh, a good follow up for us to try and get somebody from Beamish on and talk to them about all the good work they're doing it. Sounds like a place that I'd like to live. I wonder if they, they have a place you can just kind of shack up there. I want to move in.
1: It's it's lovely, lovely place because everyone's dressed in their time period historic outfit as well. And it, oh, it's just so lovely.
0: <laughs> well, this has been a very lovely interview. And um, uh, from all of us here in the United States, congratulations to you and everyone. Best wishes for the Jubilee. Best wishes for your sponge, uh, this evening and, um, looking forward to talking with you, um, when you land your first full-time gig and hearing what that's all about.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening, and keep on preserving.